family, you're finding the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. We'll begin to read in verse 125. When you found that, won't you stand with me this morning? All that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in Psalm 119, begin to read in verse 125. The Bible says these words, I am your servant, give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would challenge us from your word today. God, as we always pray, we pray your spirit will convict the lost of their sin, their need for Christ's righteousness, judgment that will come against their life one day, Lord, if they don't repent and surrender to Christ's lordship. God, I pray you'll challenge our church family this morning, remind us of the necessity of studying God's word and obeying the commands that are there in it to have the benefit. And God, burden our hearts, I pray, for those not only, God, that are lost, um, but those who have been saved and, and have never really been discipled. Uh, they've not been connected with local churches. They haven't continued to grow in your word. And again, Lord, the, the part of that ministry we can be a part of through, through the Gideon ministry. Burden us over that need today. Just simply pray, God, that your perfect will be done in every heart and every life. And we'll give you thanks for decisions that we've made here today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's, it's the Word of God that tells us of our sin. It's the Word of God that tells us how to be saved. Uh, John 16, verses 17 through 11, the text that we'll look at uh, next Sunday. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit that takes those biblical truths. And I can tell you about sin. I can tell you about the righteousness of Christ that is needed in your life and read scriptures to you about that. Um, I can tell you uh, that judgment will come against the life and the soul of every person who doesn't respond to the gospel and be saved. But listen to me this morning. Only the Holy Spirit can make those truths come alive to you. Only the Holy Spirit can really teach you those things. And so there's, there's truths that can be learned only from the Word of God. And after one is saved, then begins the process of discipleship. It's developing the newborn Christian. The newborn, John 3, 7, Jesus says you must be born again. It's developing the newborn into the man and woman. God wills them to be. And this process is part of and, and, and dependent upon God's Word uh, to learn what are those spiritual provisions from God's Word. You must be taught to observe all things and to obey them. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. We're not taught just so that we can know, but we're taught so that we can observe those truths. And so to do this, you have to understand what you're being taught. And only the Holy Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians 2.14, can teach you those biblical truths. But friend, you have to have a desire to understand those things. Listen to me this morning. If you don't want to know God's Word, you're never going to learn it. You have to have a desire to learn those truths. And you have to have a surrendered will to obey them. If you haven't come to a place to say, God, I want to surrender to the truth of your Word You'll never be able to do that. I want you to know the six provisions, spiritual provisions, from God's Word uh, and what it gives us that we need in our spiritual walk with Him. First off, there is the provision of truth. John 18 and verse number 38. 
Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? Jesus was having a conversation with Pilate just before he was to be crucified, and he shared with them about all those of the truth, all those of Scripture. And Pilate said to him, well, what is truth? In the Lord's Prayer, we often think the Lord's Prayer is what has been known as the, the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is found in John 17. It's where he prays to the Father, he prays for himself, and he prays for us. John 17, 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What sets us apart for God's exclusive use is the truth of God's word. Uh, look at verse 30 of Psalm uh, 119. We're going to be looking at a lot of different verses from Psalm 119 this morning. So be find it, put your uh, ribbon there, and just turn to it as quick as you can. A lot of those scriptures we're looking at this morning out of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 verse 30 says, I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. Uh, the, the, the disciple says, I've, I've chosen the way that the Bible says is right. Uh, there's many paths to choose in life. But Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, there's only one that's guided by truth. And it's the way that's through him. Luke 9, 23, to choose every day, listen, to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, to take up our cross, to die, and to follow a life that is led by truth. You know, it's interesting, with all the technology to make learning apart from God's Word, phones, computers, apps, uh, people are more miserable than they've ever been. Uh, there's all of these avenues and, and ways to learn, but without the Word of God, friend, one can't really find joy in life. Uh, you can find news on the television, but it's really just a pen news. You really can't, there's not really a source that just gives you news anymore. It's all slanted. It's interesting. People, depending on where they stand on issues, that's the news that they turn to. They want the news that's slanted in, in their favor. Boy, I'm thankful there's a place that we can turn to for truth that's not debatable. It's, it's settled. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And so a great provision that we have as disciples from God's Word, is truth. Truth that never changes. It, God's Word is forever settled in heaven. Secondly, there's not only the provision of truth, but there's the provision of joy. Look at verse number 54 of Psalm 119, where the psalmist writes, Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Uh, the psalmist says, As I've been on my journey and difficult times have come, I sing about truths from God's Word, and it, it brings a little pep to my step. I find joy in my life through... And again, friend, listen, this is, this is because someone has repented of their sin. They've trusted Jesus Christ, and now they have an established relationship with God. But it's in that relationship that when they're going through challenges in life, there is joy from God's salvation. And the psalmist says, I, your, your statutes have been my song. Friend, do you want joy in your life? And it's really a choice that you have to make as a believer. You can choose to focus on all the negative. You can choose to focus on the distractions that are in your life that can turn you away from following the Lord. Or you can choose joy. You can, because, friend, listen, joy is not in a situation. It's in a person. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, happenings change. 
Uh, you know, for example, if your electricity bill is down from normal when you open your bill, man, you're happy about that. So that was a happening. But man, if it's up $100, you're not happy. And so happiness depends upon our happenings. Friend, listen, joy is not regulated by happenings. Joy is in a person who never changes. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we grow in our relationship with Christ by learning truths about him from God's word. Uh, Luke 11 verse 28 says, More than that, blessed are those. That, is, that word blessed means blissfully, spiritually happy. Blissfully, spiritually happy are those who hear the word of God, listen, and keep it. That's the part people that disobey the word of God want to leave off. That just hearing God's word is enough. No, the psalmist said, Jesus says, those who hear it and obey the word of God. We've been going through a series of lessons on Sunday night about the commands of Christ. The first command is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, where Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. That's telling people how to be saved, to turn from sin and surrender their life to Christ's lordship. And then we've been looking at other commands. Friend, you'll never have joy in your life without being obedient to the commands of Christ. I want you to listen to me this morning. The most miserable person you'll ever meet is not a lost person. Most people are just happy on their way to hell. The devil has them so blinded, they're riding a rail straight to hell and just happy as they can be. The most miserable people are Christians who are out of fellowship with God. They've got bitterness, anger, hatred. Uh, they have, their life is marked and marred by sin and disobedience. But the most joyful person you'll ever meet is a person that's in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And that joy is found and discovered by knowing God's Word and obeying God's Word. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4, John says, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. He says, we're, we're giving you the commands of Christ as the Holy Spirit has moved us to write them so that you can know them and obey them and your joy might not be at, at half or three-quarter, but your joy might be full. That you can experience all the joy that can be found. It's joy lived out in a surrendered life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's the provision of joy. Third notice, the Bible yields the provision of freedom. Of freedom. Look at verse number 45 of Psalm 119. The Bible says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I want to ask you this morning, friend, are you walking in liberty or are you bound by sin? My friend, if you've never been saved, you've never, there's been a never moment in your life that you've repented and trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life. I want you to listen to me this morning. You're bound by sin's penalty. You're bound by sin's penalty, which is death. You do not have the life of Christ to you. As a believer, you can live in disobedience to God's Word and you can be bound by sin's possession of your life. Only the Holy Spirit can set you free from sin's possession. Trusting Christ to be Lord of your life sets you free from sin's penalty, which is an eternal death in a place called hell. But you can still live in disobedience at times to the Lord and still be bound by sin's possession of your life. You can be bound by addiction, not just substance. You can be addicted to a person, to a habit, to, to something that in its right place could be okay, but out of sequence, it's not. I, listen, I love to fish. You know that. I, I know a lot of guys that love to fish, but they're addicted to fishing. They're addicted to the fame of it and 
the, the parking lot heroes, I call them. They want everybody to think. You know, they're the best that there's ever been. And they're addicted to that. Rather than putting Christ first in their life, loving their neighbors, their self, then enjoying all the other things in life that one can enjoy when they're in the right and proper place. You can be bound by addiction. You can be bound by fear, covetousness, you know, just never having enough. We were having a discussion uh, on, the, on the way to church this morning. Uh, just how simple two generations ago people lived. And we're just satisfied with the basic. They had a roof over their head. It was better than the roof that they grew up under. They were satisfied with it. But today, I mean, it's just complete covetousness of people redecorating every other week. And then when I get this, it's not enough. I've got to have the newer. And they've got us. The new version comes out. And you've got, man, last year's version you had to have, it's not good anymore. You've got to have this year's version. And rather than just being satisfied with, with clothes that fit your personality, everybody's always chasing the latest fashion trend and this covetousness, never satisfied. People can be bound up in bitterness, just bitterness because of something that's happened in your life rather than just giving it to the Lord and moving on in Jesus Christ. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and destroy. And one of the ways that Satan does that, listen, is to enslave us to sin's possession over our life. The Word of God helps us to walk in freedom. Ephesians 6 and verse 17 says, one of, one of the parts of Christ's armament for our life is the sword of the Spirit. It's, it's God's Word. And listen, this isn't some big barbarian sword uh, that's five foot long. When, when the Apostle Paul wrote this, he was thinking about a Roman dagger, a Roman sword that was used for close quarters battle. I mean, when you're... You're in the enemy's face, and it's fist to cuffs. And either you're going to be a victim or you're going to make them a victim. One of the two. And friend, that's the way it is spiritually. Don't you listen to me. You're either going to be a casualty or you're going to make Satan a casualty through the power of the Word and the Holy Spirit. It's, that's, that's what it comes down to. When he's wanting to enslave you, you've got to be able to stand and to walk out of that fight through the power of the Holy Spirit at liberty because God's Word is giving you victory over the lies that Satan tells you. Satan lied to Jesus, Luke chapter 4. Jesus didn't tell him, you know, a, an ancient Chinese proverb. He didn't tell him something that his grandmother always said. He defeated the attacks of Satan with the Word of God. And friend, you and I will do no less. There's the provision of freedom through God's Word. Fourth, I want you to notice there's the provision of growth. To be able to grow spiritually, to not stay who you are when you first are trust Christ to be Lord of your life and you're, you're born again. Look at verse number 32 of Psalm 119. The psalmist says, I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Aren't you glad? For, now, now listen, go back to biology. You were trying to stay awake. You remember dissecting the frog. But go back to, 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 to the anatomy of the heart. Your heart is a certain little size when you're born, but as you grow, your heart grows with you. Why? Because your heart pumps that necessary blood. Leviticus 17, 11 says, The life of the flesh is in the blood. God made our bodies that way. Our bodies are dependent upon blood. Arteries, all of those vessels, uh, blood being moved all throughout our body, the process of the white blood cells, the red blood cells, bringing nutrients, taking away trash, protecting against 
germs fighting off invaders. There's so many things that are happening. But you've got to have a healthy heart and a heart that's growing in proportion with your body to be able to pump all that blood that helps you to be able to sustain your life. Well, friend, listen, your spiritual heart has to grow as well. You've got to, if you're going to be able to, to perform spiritually all that God wants to do through you, you have to grow in your walk with Christ. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. Be honest before the Lord. Are you growing in the Lord Jesus Christ? If God were to do it, now this isn't a word we like to hear this time of the year, you know, around mid-April, but if God were to do an audit of your spiritual life, have you really grown from when you first trusted Christ, or are you pretty much the same? God's desire is that we grow in Him. The psalmist says, I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Listen, 1 Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. God's Word, when we first get saved, helps us to begin to grow. But listen to two other verses in 1 Corinthians 3 and Hebrews 5. They both speak that God's desires us to move from the milk to the meat of the Word, to solid food, to begin to grow. Can you, you imagine, those of you who have uh, reared children in your home, if, you know, your, your child was about to graduate high school, and, you know, your, your wife has Sunday dinner ready and uh, says, you know, it's time for, time for lunch. And, you know, she sits two dishes down there at the table, one for you and, and, and one, one for uh, herself. And the 18-year-old child comes in there and sits down and sits on mother's lap and she leans that 18-year-old back and puts a bottle in his mouth. And you say, well, that's That's crazy. Friend, it's just as crazy that somebody's been saved for 10, 15 years is still on the milk of God's Word. They're not growing in those biblical truths. They haven't discovered their spiritual gift. They're not learning scriptures to be able to help them to use that, that gift. They don't know how to lead somebody to Christ and tell them how to be saved. They don't know how to answer basic questions in discipleship that someone may ask them as they're living on mission. Why? Because spiritually they're lazy. Now, I'll say this, listen, our government blesses laziness, but God won't. You've, you've got to be a doer of the work, friend. You've got to put time into the study of God's Word to learn it. And in that, friend, you just grow. You know, I've watched my kids grow up over these past uh, 15 and 13 years. I haven't sat there and said, oh, I hope they're growing. I hope, I hope that peanut butter sandwich is, is taking hold. I, I hope that broccoli's working. And friend, I just know they put it in, and we can't keep our son in britches. I mean, he grows out of them overnight. There's, just, there's a process of growth. They put the food in, and God does the work. Listen, friend, you put the food in, you obey it, and something happens. You grow spiritually. You're less like yourself, and you're more like Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 29, it's, it's a spiritual provision of, of growth. This, the Lord makes it happen. And so you're either growing or you're not. Job 23, 12, a verse that we've been, uh, verses we've been studying on Wednesday night. Job says, I've not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than necessary food. Friend, you have to eat or your sugar's going to get low. You're going to pass out and you will die. But won't you listen to me? More important 
than physical food is spiritual food. You need the Word of God in order to grow and to develop. Feeding must take place. Now, I want you to listen to me. It has to take place more than once a week. It has to be a daily occurrence and throughout the day. Fifth, there's a provision of power. The more you study God's Word, it makes available to you the, the life and vitality of Christ that we need to live revived lives uh, when we faint spiritually. Look at verse 25 of Psalm 119. The psalmist says, My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. That is, the psalmist says, I've fainted. We don't know what happened, but something has happened, spirits in their life, that has caused them to faint, to fall. He says, God, I need, I need to be revived. But verse 28 of Psalm 119, my soul melts from heaviness. Any of y'all have ever been there before? We've been studying the book of Job on Wednesday nights. Those uh, who, are, who aren't serving other parts of our church and those who come to church on Wednesday night, we've been studying a lot of the hardships and the challenges and the adversities that Job has been going through. And we've all been able to identify because suffering is relative. You know, I may not have been something as, through as hard as you've been, but what I've gone through, if it's the hardest thing I've been through, it's the hardest thing I've been through, therefore it's hard. And so suffering is relative. Our souls have all been in those places where we said, I'm heavy from this. My, my soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. The psalmist realizes the only strength we can find spiritually is not something that we muster up within ourselves. You know, that we, we choose to be strong. No, friends, spiritually we can't do anything. John 15, 5, Jesus says, without me you can do nothing. It's only through God's word that we find that, that power that we need. Hebrews 4, verse 12, the word of God is living and it is powerful. It's, it's the power that we need in our life. And it's, it's a question you have to ask. Do I want that kind of spiritual power in my life? Do, do I want that kind of vibrance? You know, do you just want to live kind of a ho-hum, boring spiritual life? Or do you want to experience all of Jesus Christ you can? Listen, I'm not a sports car guy. I'm just not. I mean, if you put a Ferrari in front of me or a new truck, I'd take the truck 10 times out of 10. But imagine if you actually were a sports car person. Maybe you are. And somebody just came up and gave you a brand new Ferrari. And not only that, they gave it to you on an exit that leads into the Aldebaran in Germany. I mean, some of you drive like there's no speed limit, which there is. And you all be convicted of. God's not laughing. We're to obey the laws of the land. But imagine if you were in Germany where there was no speed limit. And they said, this is your Ferrari. And he said, I'm just going to drive this thing in first gear till I step into eternity. And you just ease along in first gear, and cars are flying by, and you're uh, 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 just grinding the clutch out in first gear. That's what a lot of people do spiritually. They never make it to second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. I don't know how many gears are even in a Ferrari. But friend, listen. God's plan is for you to experience all the abundant life. Every gear that he's put in your life, he wants you to be able to experience in him. But so many never do that because they don't give the time to learn who they can be as Christ lives his life through them. They live lives that are void of power and vitality.
the life that is surrendered to Christ. But not only that, there's the provision of, of guidance. Not just to have life and life more abundantly, but there's the provision, sixth, of guidance. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. It's to help me to know the way and to avoid the traps. Solomon wrote Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Friend, there are so many things in our life as far as the way we're to walk and where we're to go, things that we're to do that are already settled in God's Word. We don't have a choice about them. There, there, are, there, are, there are places our lives are to go. They're already settled in God's Word. Everybody wants to know what God's specific will is that wants to live a life that's pleasing to Christ. You know, God, we want you, God, do I sell my house or do I refinance it? God, do I cash out my 401k and just put it all in savings because I've, I've found a, you know, an account that's got a little higher percentage? Or do I, do I wait? That's in God's specific will. He'll give you peace about that. But don't you listen to me, friend. Don't expect God to reveal his specific will if you ignore his general will. The first, it begins with salvation, to be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's desire for you first is that you be saved. Friend, what more could he do? He sent his son to die on the cross for your need. Do you not think then that it's serious to God? You know, the value of something is determined by the price that is paid. There are people that turn things into goodwill all the time, but you'll see on these little antique road shows, somebody picks it up and they're trying to see and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that little uh, jar right there, you know, it was made by this little jar maker when jars first started getting made. And it's worth over $100,000 right now. There are people that will pay $100,000 and you say, well, Man, I paid a nickel for it. They're like, well, I know somebody right now, you know, they'll, they'll, a collector would pay $100,000 for that. Like, well, man, we were fixing to put jelly in it. No. You say, well, that's just, a, that's just a little cheap mason jar. Well, somebody's willing to pay $100,000 for it, friend. It's worth a hundred. It's, it's of worth. You say, well, my soul is worth nothing. Friend, it's worth the life of Jesus Christ to God. Your soul is of value. Your soul's of value. And so God wants you to be saved. Don't expect God to, to direct your life if you won't even respond and you reject the Lordship of Christ and you won't be saved. And then once you are saved, friend, don't expect God to direct your life if you're not set apart for His exclusive use. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God your sanctification. That's a big word that simply means this. Set apart for God's exclusive use. That means your life, your body belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and the devil can't use it. And you're to be mindful of that and to yield yourself to that. Just as when a husband and a wife are married, they're declaring... Their bodies will be for nobody else but for each other till death to us part. And friend, when you get saved, your body is to be yielded to Jesus Christ. It is a willful choice that you make every single day. If you won't do that, 
Don't expect God to share his specific will for you. Well, I just keep praying, and I just don't sense anything. Have you been saved? Are you truly surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ? Ephesians 5, 18, be not drunk with wine where there's excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. You've, you've chanted this with me for seven years. It's not just that Jesus is resident, but he is president. He rules over every part of your life. If Jesus doesn't rule over every part of your life, can I really expect God to give me guidance as to whether I need to refinance my house or not? Whether I need to change jobs? Whether I, I'm supposed to, any decision that I'm praying about? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm, I'm refusing to obey his general will. How can I expect him to show me his specific will? Because listen, James 4, uh, James 4 says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I have unrepented sin in my life, God won't hear me. Isaiah 59 2 says, If I have sin in my life, that sin has separated me from God. But when you're in a surrendered, right, growing relationship with Jesus Christ, friend, listen, the Word of God will give you guidance. It'll give you guidance. A lot of people are like this in their life. They think as long as they acknowledge those truths, they're going to become inward realities without doing them. You know, just to know them. It's like you go to the library, listen to me, and you're, you're wanting to, to find a book um, about how to obey the will of God. I think it would be good to read a book about that. And so you go and you, you pick that book up and you, you take it up to the front desk and, you know, you get your little library card out. I don't even know if they even still have those or not. I remember when I got, I thought I'd won the lottery when I was young and I got a library card. And so you get your library card out and the librarian, after she's yelled at you from being too loud, she turns to the back, she pulls out that little card, stamps it, and you walk out the door and you get home, you've got this book, you're looking at the jacket, and it says on the outside, how, how to know the will of God. You're so excited about this, to, to know these truths. And you open it up and you look at the title page, and it says, How to Live a Life of Deception. You say, wait a second. On the outside, it, it said, it said how, to, how to know the will of God. And then on the inside, the, the book that I've got is How to Live a Life of Deception. Well, it, it had a jacket on it, friend, that said one thing, but it was a different book inside. There's a lot of Christians. They've got a jacket on the outside. This is, I, I, I really want to know God's best, and I want to know God's will, I want to do these things. But inside, friend, they really don't want to have a heart that's surrendered to what God's will is. I want to know God's specific will if it's, if it's the direction I want to go. But if it's not the direction I want to go, then I don't want to know it. Friend, the life of surrender says, Lord, whatever your will is, I know your grace will sustain me and carry me to walk it. The Word of God gives us guidance. Well, what are the keys to enjoying all of this? Very quickly, I don't have a, a lot of time. Imagine somebody gives you a brand new house. Wouldn't that be great? Brand new house, no mortgage. Just gives you a brand new house. And they say, will you enjoy this? And they, they start to walk away and you say, hey, wait a second. Where are the keys? You say, well, what keys? Well, I mean, just enjoy the house. It's got four bedrooms, you know, great kitchen, family room, man cave, woman cave. Everybody's got a cave. Everything's great. You enjoy that. It's going to be wonderful. You say, well, I need the keys to get inside. Well, these are all truths, friend, of rooms in your spiritual life that can be experienced. But what are the keys 
that help open the door to experience all of these provisions. Very quickly, number one, you have to pray. It's, it's the key of prayer. Psalm, Psalm 119 and verse number 12. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. The psalmist is praying and say, God, I, I want to learn your word. But it, it begins with prayer. God, do a work in my heart. Just very quickly, Psalm 119 verse 18. Help me to see those truths. Psalm 119 verse number 36. Create a heart in me that wants to learn. Protect my heart. I'm praying. Psalm, Psalm 119 and verse 73, give me understanding that I may learn what it is. So it begins with prayer. The first key to, to, to enjoying all those provisions is that of prayer. Secondly, know and stow God's Word. Now we're getting in some familiar territory for our Sunday night crowd. Begins with prayer, and then know and stow God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 11, your word have I hidden in my heart. Uh, verse number 15, I will meditate upon your precepts and contemplate your ways. Verse number 23, princes sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. We pass by some cow pastures on the way home that are full of cattle. There's a limousine in one place, and we'll see Angus in another, and then we'll see a curse of all kind uh, in other pastures. But they'll all be eaten at one point, and then we'll all see them sitting down with their legs tucked up underneath them. What do you think they're doing when they're sitting there? They're chewing the cud. They've eaten all morning just as fast as they can, and then they sit down. Don't want to gross you out. It's just the process of a cow. They'll regurgitate all that grass that they chewed quickly, and they'll kind of, physically, they'll start meditating upon it. They're chewing it up and dissolving it to get every bit of nutrient, to get it all broken down so their body can observe it. That's what it means for you. To, to know God's Word is to take it in, to stow it is to meditate upon it. To really to think about those biblical truths. Now, God, what was the, what was the original message to the original audience? God, what are those time-transcending truths about this? God what, what is, God, what is the application for my life? God, what do you want me to do with it? How am I going to respond to this truth? It's, it's to, to know God's Word and to stow God's Word. The next key is to show God's Word. Uh, verses 167 through 168 says, My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. James 1.22 Bible commands us to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. That's the part that always gets left off. The deception, Satan, listen, Satan doesn't care, listen to me this morning. Satan does not care if you know the plan of salvation. Just don't respond to it. Satan doesn't care if everybody in here can verbally quote the word of God from Genesis 1-1 till the last, all who will come, amen, in, in the book of Revelation. He doesn't care. Just don't obey it. See, that's where benefit comes, is when you obey the Word of God. When you show it. When you do it. And that's, what the, that's one of the keys, friend, to, to being able to experience all of those truths. John 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments, Jesus says, and keeps them, is he who loves me. It's going to be in a right 
and growing relationship. So we pray, we know and stow, we show God's Word, have to go quick, and then we sow God's Word. What are we talking about there? Verbally sharing God's Word with other people. Look at verse number 13. With my lips, I have declared the judgments of your mouth. Didn't say with well intentions or with my life. You need to live it out or it doesn't matter what you say. But he says, I'm teaching other people. Friend, that's part of the great... That's building disciples. And you build disciples with doctrine. And so one of the ways you unlock the benefits of God's Word is to sow God's Word into the lives of other people. Verse number 46... I speak of your testimonies also before kings. He says, I don't care. Little shots, big shots. They're all, they're all the same before God. I'll share the word of God with anybody. Verse 172. My tongue shall speak of your word. My tongue shall speak of your word. And so listen, the more I speak God's word and I share God's word that I have known, I have meditated upon, I'm thinking about it. I'm stowing it inside of me. It's becoming a part of my life. I've prayed about it. The more that I do that, then verse number 16 becomes a reality in my life. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The more, Listen to me. The more you verbally share God's word with people, friend, the more you're going to remember it. It's just going to become a part of you. You're going to know it. The more you share the plan of salvation, the more, the more you're going to remember those biblical truths. And you're just going to be able to spout them off, not mindlessly, but they're going to be a part of you. You're going to, to know them. So we're, we pray, know, stow, show, sow, and then listen. We search. Search for Jesus on every single page. Listen, friend, he's there. You say, well, he didn't come till Christmas. Oh, no, friend. He's from, he's in the very beginning. God said, let us make man in our image. Who do you think stood between the nation of Israel and Egypt when God split the Red Sea? It was the angel of the Lord. Who do you think led them out by the blood of the Lamb? It was the angel of the Lord. When it was time for Joshua to cross over and all of those vicious armies were there and the captain of the Lord's army came, who do you think that was? It was Jesus Christ. He's on every single page. Look at verse 135 of Psalm 119. The Bible says, Lord, make your face to shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Friend, I promise you, as you study God's Word every day and throughout the day, if you'll look for Jesus, He'll be in every single passage smiling. He'll be smiling upon you. What, what do we do with these truths this morning? For the lost those who've never been saved, listen to me this morning. Believe the Word of God. It says you're a sinner and you are. Believe the Word of God, Romans 6, 23. It says there's a penalty for your sin. It, there is, friend. It is eternal damnation in a place called hell. But also believe the Word of God where the Bible says if you will repent, if you will confess Jesus, Romans 10, 9, and 10, to be Lord of your life, He will save you from the penalty of sin. And then the Holy Spirit's going to come to live within your life, and He's going to set you free from sin's possession over your life. And then you're going to have the hope that all of us have who've named the name of Christ. One day we're going to be set free from sin's presence in heaven with the Lord forevermore. Say amen right there. But now listen, you can't experience that unless you turn 
and you receive him to be Lord of your life. So that's the first decision we need to deal with this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Listen, if you died today, are you 100% certain you'd go to heaven? The Bible says, 1 John 5, 13, that these things are written. The plan of salvation is written so that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, if you don't know, leave here knowing. Would you not turn from all your sin today? Would you not trust Christ to be Lord of your life? He took your penalty in his own body on the cross. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you not turn from sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life today? If you do that, tell him so right now. A simple prayer of faith. Tell him just like this, silently where you sit. God, forgive me a sinner. I admit my sin. I turn from it today. God, I'm so sorry. I believe Jesus died. I believe he rose from the grave. And I trust Jesus to be Lord, to be king over every part of my life. I trust him to do that today. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, did you pray that? Did you mean it? From the depths of your heart, did you mean it? And I want to encourage you in just a few moments what God wants to do next in your life. In the moment when we stand to our feet, if you prayed that prayer, won't you make your way forward so we can encourage you in that? Friend, when you trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life, to the church family, I say this, all those intents who've been saved, listen. God gave you, as it were, a new house. That's your spiritual life. Now be honest before God. Are you still standing outside looking through the windows? Or through these processes, through prayer, through knowing, stowing, showing, sowing, and searching, have you unlocked all rooms to experience all those provisions that God has for you in your life that we first looked at this morning. Friend, if you haven't, it's not God's fault. It's your fault. Repent of that today. And ask the Lord with discipline and dedication to help you begin to experience all of those spiritual provisions for them to be reality so you can truly experience all of the abundance that is every room in your spiritual life that God wants you to experience. Stop living outside or in the foyer. Live in all the rooms of the abundant life. And I pray that as we go into this invitation, God will speak to us as we ask this question. God, how would you lead me and my family to give sacrificially next week to the ministry of the Gideons so that other people can experience the joy and the life that I have in you that's found only through the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. God, you speak to your church. You speak to the needs that are represented here today. God, I just simply ask that whatever you call us to do, we'll surrender our will to yours. God, thank you that in this world, you have not left us alone. You have sent your Holy Spirit and you have given us your precious word. God, I pray we'll know it. I pray we'll obey it in these days and sowed into the hearts and lives of lost people that they might experience all that we have in you. Bless this invitation. Be Lord over it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet.